I'm excited about what God's doing. And I believe if we're going to continue to be right where God wants us to be, not only as a church, but as individuals, we have to be able to hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of God. It's probably one of the biggest things people ask me. Pastor, how do I hear the voice of God in my life? God, I mean, you know, because I, I know God's out there and I come to church and I hear the voice of God when you preach or maybe I'll listen to another preacher and I'll hear the voice of God. But pastor, how do I hear the voice of God for myself? And so today I'm really going to teach. I'm really going to spend a few moments uh, because I do believe there are some things that we can do in our life so that we can better hear the voice of God in our life. And, and we must know, and I want you to know this. God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? Look at Proverbs chapter three, verse six. Proverbs chapter three, verse six. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you got your message notes, you can follow along. There's extra scriptures in your message notes. I um, won't we'll go through all of them for the sake of time, but I always encourage you to grab those, whether digitally or the handouts, just so that you can go and study it throughout the week. But look at what Proverbs chapter three, verse six says, listen, for God's voice in a couple of things. No, no, Ash said, no, no, Pastor. That no, 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 Pastor. No, he said, in what? In everything. So in everything. So I'm listening for God's voice, not just on a Sunday, but I'm listening for his voice on a Monday and on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. So listen, I'm listening to God's voice when I lose my job and I'm trying to figure out what the next is. I'm listening for God's voice, teenagers, young adults, when I'm trying to figure out which college to start applying to. I'm listening for God's voice when I'm trying to get out of debt. I know Dave Ramsey's got great biblical principles, but I need God's wisdom along with biblical principles to get out of debt because I gotta modify what I heard into this specific life that I live. And that happens by listening to the voice of God. I need to hear the voice of God when I'm figuring out which friends to hang out with. Yeah. Hey, and I wish you could hang out with everybody that comes to church, but some of you don't need to hang out with everybody that comes to church. Yeah. You know, you got some people come to church because they're on the prowl. Yeah. They're playing games. You know, I hope, I wish it wasn't the case. No, no, I need to be friends with people that are real, that are going deep, that don't have an agenda. And, you know, but, but it's like, God, I, I need to hear your voice when it comes to my kids playing sports. I got a little quiet. I know. I know because we want them to play everything, but I mean, no, I don't need them to play everything. And it might be a season where they play nothing. And uh, it's where God, and here, here's what I would ask you. Have you at least asked God? Have we at least, because here what, here's what will happen is we didn't ask God any, any, you know, speak into this. And now we're stressed out because we're overwhelmed by our schedules. And then we're mad at God. It's like, God, I feel stressed out. He's like, yeah, but you didn't ask me. You weren't listening to me. I would have told you it's too much. And so I'd have said no, but you did it anyway. And now what you're looking for is for me to rescue you. Look, God can correct you, but God would rather just direct you. Right? I mean, thank God he does correct us, but wouldn't you rather just, let, let me just get this right, just direct me. So he says, listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. So he's the one that's going to keep my life going down the right path, going in the right direction, but I've got to be able to hear what he is saying. And I would say like this, if you're taking notes, God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. We have a hearing problem. So I, God, I know you're speaking to me. And I can tell you the biggest mistakes I've made in my life are when I didn't hear God's voice on what I was supposed to do. And so I want to help us 
Some of you, you're gonna need, it's gonna get you back on the right track. Some of you, it's gonna be an affirmation of, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. And some of you, it's gonna be revelation, like you never knew, and you're like, wow, now I know. And I wanna dive into Luke chapter eight, verse four through 15. Luke chapter eight, verse four through 15. This is the parable of the four types of soil that seed is sown into. Uh, let me give you a little bit of the context. I know we got a lot of people that are new to the faith and Christianity and the Bible. So here we find it in Luke, which is the gospel. Uh, the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are really the stories of the life of Jesus. Now this parable is spoken by Jesus himself, and so we're gonna hear him give wisdom to the crowd. And so the crowds have amassed around Jesus. They've come from all the towns and local villages. They're coming around him. And one of the things that I love about Jesus is Jesus takes very deep spiritual truths and breaks them down into simplistic stories that we can grab a hold of. Aren't you glad God breaks down the complicated and makes it simple? He doesn't just give you all this complicated stuff and not really the understanding on how to live it out. So here the masses have uh, crowded around him, and he's going to share a parable, which is just a real simple story to illustrate a moral or spiritual truth. Look at what he says in verse 4 through 8. As they went from town to town, a lot of people joined down, speaking out of the Message Bible. A lot of times I'll speak out of the NLT or NIV Message Bible, and I just want to help you understand is broken down even more. You really wouldn't study it for theology, but it breaks it down into a modern language that is super simplistic. And uh, as I was studying this, I thought, man, the Message Bible said it so clearly and so directly. I'm, that's why we're speaking through the Message Bible this morning, just so you understand. Verse four through eight. As they went from town to town, a lot of people joined in and traveled along. He addressed them using this story. Again, it's a parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. Some of it fell on the road. It was trampled down by the birds and they ate, or was trampled down and the birds ate it. Other seed fell in the ground. It sprouted, but withered because it didn't have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds. The weeds grew with it and strangled it out. The other seed fell in rich earth and produced a bumper crop. Now, so you see four different types of soil where those seeds were planted. And what we see in this, that last one in the NIV, it says it actually produced a hundredfold. So the seed was put, put in the ground, and then we see a harvest from what was sown in the ground where the seed was planted. And then the next passage says, are you listening to this really listening? And I love the NIV translation. It says, those who have ears to, ears to hear, let them hear. So in other words, let us hear what God is saying in this passage. And he's saying, look, there's four different types of soils. And really when we break this down, and I'm gonna show you how Jesus breaks it down, those four different soils that the seed is sown into represent four different types of soil of our heart. And uh, we're gonna go through this. Now when we go through this, you are one of them. There's not a fifth option. You're like, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. That's good. No, no, none of those are me, pastor. No, no. One of these are you. And so we're going to see what represents our life because remember, you, you came here this morning and I felt the Lord said, I want them to hear because I, I'm speaking to them. And some of you, you've been, you've been trying to get God to speak to you and you've been wondering what the problem is. I'm here to help you diagnose. Maybe the problem is not God speaking. Maybe the problem is the soil of the heart with which God is speaking into 
So let's, uh, let's go through verse 11 through 12. Now, Jesus actually explains the parable here in Luke, which is pretty rare. Jesus doesn't typically share a parable and then break it down. You know, a lot of times he'll make us chew on it and, you know, we start to dissect it and say, okay, God, reveal it to us. But this is one of those rare moments where he's actually going to tell us exactly. Look at what it says. Verse 11 through 12, and I'm going to read all of them, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts as to what I believe the condition of our hearts are in these areas. 11 through 12, the seed is the word of God. So the farmer's sowing the seed, that's God sowing his word into our hearts. The seed on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. So imagine that. God is sowing his word into the hearts of humanity. And as he does, the devil's like, no, I know what that seed, the word of God will do. So he is watching and he snatches the seed. Okay, that's the first. Second, the seed is on the gravel. Those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. So you get excited, but it's real shallow. And it's only another fad, and the moment they're in trouble, it's gone. So then something happens. So I'm excited, 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 trouble finds you, and then you're out, okay? Third type, and the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out, and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money, and having fun. So you came to church, God's word touches your heart, but it's really casual Christianity. You've allowed the things of this world to be more important and to choke out the power of God's word. Then the fifth soil, it says, but the seed in good earth, good soil, these are the good hearts who seize the word of God and hold on to it no matter what, sticking with it until there is a harvest. So in other words, they're not gonna let it go, they're gonna stick with it. So if God's word doesn't seem to be working in your life, maybe it's time to check the soil of our hearts, okay? So four types of soil, four conditions of our heart. Here's the first one. We find it in verse 12, the seed on the road, those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. We call this, if I were to break it down, it would be the hardened heart, hardened heart, hardened heart. So imagine... A lost person comes to church, maybe they're scrolling through the television, they, they see Pastor Joel or they see another evangelist and the word of God falls on their heart and, and for whatever reason, when that word falls on their heart, the devil deceives them, he's hardened their heart and he robs them of the truth of God's word. See, the problem is not the seed, the problem is the soil of the heart. And so we know the devil, he wants an unbeliever's heart to be hardened so that God's word doesn't fall into the soil of that unbeliever's heart. And so then they're robbed of the good news of the gospel. And it happens all the time. And that's, that's why we serve God, the God of light, the God of goodness, the one who really is here to save humanity. But then you have, it's, it's a spiritual battle. The devil has come to steal. John 10, 10 says the devil's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But if you finish it out, but God says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But there is a spiritual battle that's happening. And because the heart is hardened, they're not able to receive the truth of God's word. Now let's push that over into a Christian's heart. So a Christian may be saved 
But the same principle happens that the devil will come in to give you a hardened heart in a specific area of God's truth so that you cannot experience the power of God's word in that area of your life. So that's why you could be saved. He can't rob your salvation, but he can rob the power that God wants you to live with. And you come into church and, you know, you'll get about 80% of what we're preaching and sharing. And you're like, man, that's good. But you've got some past trauma from the past. Maybe you were at a church and the pastor abused money or you saw a misuse of finances and funds. And you come in and, and I'm talking about giving and generosity and how God wants us to be a funnel to build the kingdom. Because I need you to know, if we're going to see a great harvest in these last days, it's not just a harvest of souls. It's a harvest of resources. You cannot harvest souls without the resources of heaven. And so what he'll have you do is instead of being a funnel of resources, since you have a hardened heart, we start talking about the word of God and money and tithing and putting God first. You allow the word to come to you, but not in you. Because you came to church, but then the devil says, no, nah, he's just like everybody else. That church is going to rob you. They're going to misuse the money. No, 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 no. That's past trauma. That's the pain of the past. And it's robbing you of the truth of God's word today. Why? Because you have a hardened heart. You know, we talk about relationships. We just got a relationship series, and I'm talking about holiness and purity and consecration. And look, you know, one man and one woman, and you can't redefine marriage. And we're talking about you can't have sex before marriage, not because God doesn't love you, but because God's trying to protect you. And you sit in here and you get mad because I define marriage. You get mad because I say you can't mess around, and you've been deceived because you say, I can do whatever I want. Your heart has become hardened, and you will not receive the truth nor the power of God's word in that subject. And that's why you come to church and you're in and out of dysfunctional relationships of men and women that hurt you all because you have a hardened heart and you've been deceived. You understand? Talk about forgiveness and you're like, oh, I'll forgive everybody, but not that person that abused me as a child. Why? Because your heart is hardened. Someone has hurt you. And, and because of there's a hardened soil in that topic, instead of saying, God, let your word cleanse me, let your word purify me, let your word empower me, we say no. And then because of that, now the devil can deceive you. And so what will happen is you live powerless and pitiful as a Christian, and then we stay mad at God because we say his word is not working, but the truth is it's the condition of our heart. It's very hardened. And so I think there's two things, and, and there's more, but I thought two things that really harden our heart. Number one is sin. I mean, that sin hardens our heart. And look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That there is something about when we allow sin in our life that hardens the soil of our heart that then the devil can deceive us and rob the seed of God's word. So we gotta be real careful. I, I, here's just a few things, like what do you watch? Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, it does. You know, I, I'm just about done canceling all my video subscriptions because they are just terrible, terrible. Even PG is like there's homosexual relationships, there's inappropriate things. I'm like, are you kidding? It's PG. And so, but you got to remember, they're telling the vision of their God, which is the devil. And then we allow ourselves to sit there and let the vision of the devil fill our heart. 
And then, because have you ever watched something and the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you? Say, say you're born again, you're saved, and you start to watch it, and then you start to feel grieved. Like nobody told you it was bad, but you're like, oh, should I watch it? How many know that's probably not the devil saying that? Probably God convicting your heart saying, no, no, don't watch it. Have you ever watched it and kept watching it? And it's like, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. And then you just, it's not so bad. It's so, well, what's happening is this, your heart is becoming calloused. See how sin hardens it? Because then the more calloused it is, the easier it is to compromise, the easier it is to allow that in your life. But what you don't understand is a hardened heart out there hardens your heart in here. A hardened heart watching TV hardens your heart in your own personal quiet time with God. There's a hardness that the devil's like, I can't take your salvation, but I can harden the soil of your heart so that God's word won't fall deeply into it. Yeah, I think it gets hardened by what we listen to. Again, if you're feeling grieved, if you're like, I probably shouldn't listen to it, you ought to just shut it off. It's probably God. I think we get our heart our, fall into sin through our friends. You know, you get saved, you're like, man, I got to go back. I got to help my friends. Well, if that friend will pull you down, you got to realize it's easier for them to pull you down than for you to pick them up. No, no, you're not their savior. You need to get around people that elevate your life, people that lead you in the right way and just say, God, I'm praying for them. They may get mad at you. They may say, oh, you're no friend. No, I am a friend, but I got to guard my heart because I'll serve you better if I have a heart that hears from God. And so you don't allow that friend to pull you back into sin. I think being in wrong environments causes us to sin. Look, look, can't go to the club on Saturday and expect to hear a word from God on Sunday. Now, if you're lost and you're in the club, I want you here on Sunday. And if you're saved and in the club, I want you here on Sunday. I don't care. I want you in the right place. But I will tell you this, it's real hard to be in the club and not allow sin to harden our hearts. You know, if you're in the club, you need to have some tracks. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? You don't just, you just passing out. That's, you're cool. Come on. You know, don't go, don't go to happy hour with everybody after work. Why? Because nothing good really happens in happy hour at night after work. Why? Because your heart gets hard and it's easy. I'll take this drink and I'll do this and I'll... Remember, remember, we're guarding our hearts because we're desperate to hear from God. And the second thing I alluded to earlier, I think offense hardens our heart. You know, you trauma from the past, someone will hurt you. Maybe come in here, someone didn't greet you correctly. Maybe someone said something or didn't say anything. And, and what you have to understand is when we have pain from relationships and people, it will harden our heart to not be able to hear the word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. This is really powerful. Look at what it says. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. That's a hard heart right there. Nothing's coming in, but nothing's going out. And so I think we just gotta evaluate, is my heart tender, is my heart soft? Am I able to really have and cultivate the right heart and not allow past trauma and pain to let the enemy harden it so God's word doesn't infiltrate my heart? Second, second type of heart we have, we find in verse 13, it says the seeds in the gravel. Those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep, it's only another fad, and the moment there is trouble, trouble. Everybody say trouble. You know, I always get a little miffed at people that do an invitation to be a Christ follower and say, well, God will give you 
all these benefits, but we don't really talk about, yes, those benefits come, but it's not happiness, it's joy, and there's a huge difference. Happiness is based on the condition of my life. Joy is based on the condition of my soul. And so I can have joy in the midst of trial, but it doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy. And so we, we, joined, we joined an army, not a social club. We're followers, not fans. And if we're misdirected when we join this body, then when trouble comes, we live very shallow lives. You're like, well, God, why is it so hard? I can't believe this is happening. No, no, hard times will come. The Bible actually says trouble will come. Like it's not if, it's when. And so we got to say, no, my, my reality is that I'm not going to be a shallow Christian, but I'm going to go deep in the Word of God. I'm going to have discipline. I'm going to have commitment. And so here's what I would say about this person. They're an immature heart. An immature heart. Write that down if you're taking notes. Immature. So, you know, here, here's what I would say it looks like. Like your extent of relationship is praying for meals or when you're in trouble and then you come to church. And listen, I, I want you to hear me very clear. Come to church is amazing, but that's just the start. Like that's just an extra. This ought to just be an extra part of who God is to you and how you hear from God. But for some, this is where they hear all of God. And so you have to say, God, I, I'm not gonna live with an immature heart. And what does that mean? That means I'm gonna pray Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So here would be my question, is if you hadn't heard from God in a while, when's the last time you spent devoted time praying and reading your Bible and worshiping God Almighty? Because if that hadn't been happening, you might be susceptible to being this immature heart. The seed of God's word, his voice is being spoken, but it's falling on the gravel. But you got to go deeper. You know, I remember my kids, I've got four of them, and, you know, they're all little babies and toddlers, and you hear things like, da-da, mama, you know. I always think they say da-da first. I'm like, I'm convinced they said da-da first. <laughs> Phyllis was mad, and she's like, no, mama is taking care of you. Da-da, da-da. Uh, you know, I, I mean, titi, poo-poo. It's always weird to hear an adult saying it. You know, it's like, hey, you got to go titi? That's so, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> you go pop, pop, poo, 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 poo. You know, I remember Raylan touched something hot. She goes, hot, hot. I said, yeah, baby, hot. Don't touch it, hot. She got big eyes, you know, hot. Well, what am I doing? See, I can speak a better language. I can go deeper in a conversation. I got a whole lot of other things I'd like to tell my toddler. But what I found was when they're immature, when they're that young, I got to speak their language. Some of you are asking for the deep things of God, but you're living as a spiritual toddler. God, give me deep. He's like, tee tee, poo poo. And it's like we want deep, but you, you gotta have the right soil, and soil goes deep because of a commitment. It goes deep because I'm praying, and then, and then as you go deeper in the soil of your heart, God will give you deeper wisdom and revelation. He'll give you the thing you're crying out for, but first, you've gotta get first things first. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, look at what he says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow, 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 spiritual maturity so that you're not so easily deceived. And so we're growing deeper, deeper what? Deeper in prayer, deeper in reading our Bibles, deeper in worship, 
deeper in our commitment. Look, if, if you've been here, you, you need to go deeper in relationships, find community. That's why we have small groups. We have 52 free market small groups all throughout this community, not because we're trying to find something for you to do, but because we're trying to help you go deeper in the ways of God, and part of that is through deeper relationships. And I know some of you are like, look, I tried small groups, I went to one, and it just didn't fit. Yeah, but I bet you had a bad haircut. Anybody ever had a bad haircut, bad stylist? You didn't stop getting your haircut, you just went to a different barber, went to a different style. I, I would encourage you, don't give up on God's system just because you had a bad experience. Find somewhere where you can fit in and say, I'm going deeper. I'm getting matured. Same thing with next steps. Look, man, go into it. If you've been there, go to next steps. Go deeper in your maturity with God. Here's the third type of soil. We find it in verse 14. It says, the seed that fell in the weeds. These are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it. They go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money, and having fun. See, I'm convinced if the devil can't stop you with difficulties, he'll choke you with distractions. So the first one, difficulties, I'm out. Boom, it's hard, I'm gone. Immature, super immature. No commitment, no, no level of I'm a disciple. This one is, I'm a disciple, I just got a little distracted. And so it's easy to get distracted. That's why you got to turn off the news. Stop listening more to the prognosticators of this world and get into the word of God and listen to the wisdom of heaven and say, look, I'm not going to get distracted. It's easy to get knocked off by the, the worries of this world, the cares of this world. I mean, we get texts, people not feeling good. My kids are not doing well. I mean, we have all these things that happen in our life, but just remember this. If you're not careful, the devil will use that distraction to what? To pull the word of God out of your life. The power of God's word will be choked out. And so here you are, you're living for God, but you're getting distracted with your problems. And I, that's one of the things I love about our dream team. You know, those that serve each and every week, people who say, well, I'll serve when my life is perfect. No, your life is never going to be perfect. They realized I'm going to serve because I need something greater than my problems to live for. They're, they're having struggles in their marriage. They may have a struggle in their family. They may have a struggle in their finance. But what they realized was I'm not going to let the cares of this world pull me out of the process of being a disciple that God's word says I should be. They didn't get distracted. They're not getting distracted in their life. They're staying fully engaged in their life. And I think it's, it's interesting. I love how the message puts this, making money and having fun. Ain't nothing wrong with making money. Listen, I believe there's gonna be a great transfer of wealth. I really do. I believe in these last days, which I believe we're living in, I believe you're gonna see a supernatural transfer of wealth, kind of like this building. This was a supernatural transfer of wealth. It was owned by Tractor Supply, which sold equipment to sow seed into the ground of this earth. And God said, nope, I'm gonna transfer that building into the kingdom of, of light, and it's gonna be used to sow seed into the hearts of men. It was a transfer, supernatural. We couldn't, we couldn't have afforded it. There's, there was no strategy that could make it. We did have a strategy, but that strategy was a word from God and a miracle from God. And every person gave, and supernaturally, all of our little ended up making enough. And it was an amazing thing. It was a miracle. So I'm all about money, and I think we should be blessed, but don't allow money to now be a distraction. 
You know what I mean? So now you can afford the lake house. Now you can afford the beach house. Now you can afford vacations. Now you can afford, uh, you know, the fishing trips and all the nice things. That's great. Just don't do it on a Sunday. And if you do it on a Sunday, we go on vacation a couple of times a year. I'm tuning in to what God is doing at the house that I'm a part of. And so I'm not disengaging because what will happen is as you make money, as we get all the things that God blesses us with, those blessings become a distraction and cause us to miss what God is saying. God may say something like, hey, it's time to sell the lake house and to sow into what I'm doing. Oh, God, I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I think that's something. But, but what I found is if God's asking me to do something, it's because he's got something better for the future. So I'm going to obey the now and let him be in charge of what's going to happen in the future. Having fun. I love having fun. Just don't let it be a distraction. Yeah, you got wealth now. You get season tickets to the Texans. Not sure if you're enjoying them right now, but it's all good. You get season tickets. Don't go out there every Sunday and miss church. You see what I mean? You got, like, go have fun. Go do all those things, but just don't allow it to pull you out of the presence and the power of God. You'll get distracted, and God is speaking, and you're like, no, God, you want me to be blessed. You want me to do all these things to have fun, and he does. But don't forget, disciples also are fully committed. We're vested. We say, God, this stuff doesn't belong to me. I'm a steward of it, but God, it's all belonging to you. And when you speak, I say yes. Here's the fourth type of soil. Fourth type of soil is found in verse 15. It says, the seed in the good earth, good earth. These are the good hearts who seize the word of God and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there is a harvest. So I would say this is the true disciple. This is the heart of a true disciple. I, I, I would also say this, that I think the true disciple is pretty rare. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things that when you see someone who's operating as a true disciple, what you'll notice is that God is moving supernaturally in their life. And uh, it's an amazing thing to see because no matter what they walk through, they hear the voice of God. If it's a good day, they're hearing the voice of God. If it's a bad day, they're hearing the voice of God. And a lot of times you can look at this person and say, well, that's not fair. God, you love them more. And truly, God loves everyone the same. But I will tell you, God does have favorites. He favors those who listen and obey. And that's what a disciple does. A disciple says, God, I'm, I'm in church, and I, I love the fact that you'll come to a church, and I just committed, this isn't my church, this is God's church, whatever he wants to do in a church, let him do in this church. And so, but you sit here week in and week out, a lot of times you walk out blessed, but sometimes you come here, and God just has a way of stepping on your toes. It's like, ooh, that, that hurts a little, that hurts a little. And, and what we know is this, that his wisdom is greater than our wisdom, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But if you are someone who has a hardened heart or an immature heart or distracted heart, you'll sit here and then the word of God will go away. But if you have a persevering heart, you'll sit here and say, ooh, that's painful, but God, I want to listen and obey. So whatever you want to do in my life, I'll do it. So you listened about consecration and purity and holiness. And you, God shines or spotlights an area and says, hey, I want that area. Instead of saying, no, God, you have everything else, but you can't have that. You say, okay, God, I'll give you that too. So the word of God falls in your heart and you just say, okay, yes, yes, Lord. Whatever you want to do, I'm going to be a true disciple. And then here's what happens. It says they produce a hundredfold harvest. That may not be today, tomorrow, next week, but look at what it says right here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, having a persevering heart, 
receiving the word of God on good soil, even when I don't like it, even when I don't agree with it, I'm gonna say, God, I'm listening and I'm obeying. Look at what it says. For at the proper time, at the proper time, here's what I believe. I believe the devil has come and stolen the word of God in, out of people's lives just before the proper time. Right at the point of breakthrough, he hardens their heart. He makes them more immature. He gets them distracted. But I'm here to tell you, if you have resolve that says, I'm not coming off of it, I cannot quit, I will not quit, quitting is not an option, there will be a day where you will receive the harvest if you don't give up. I'm convinced. So we have to evaluate. And, and I think the condition of our heart, it can fluctuate. Like I, I wish we could just say, hey, I'm good in all three of these and just the rest of our life. But how many know offense always wants to jump on you? You know, distraction is always trying to catch us and get us. And, and then immaturity comes on us all. It's like, man, I don't want to pray. Who wants to pray? I mean, who wants to read your Bible? No, who wants to get up early? You know, I'm always, I'm always fascinated, you know, because for me, you watch the life of Jesus, it says early in the morning. And I'm like, Jesus, why? Why you had to do it early? Could we do it at noon? Could we do it at night? No, he does it early. Why? Because discipleship costs. We don't give God something that is cheap and without value. And there's something about saying, God, it's hard, but I'm going to get up. God, I know I don't want to, but I need to. And the more you do it, then what you find is a life of discipleship where it's like, I can't live life without him. Our hearts become tender and soft. And then I, I find ourselves here today, it's like, how do I cultivate this heart of a disciple so that I can hear from God? Because remember, that's the key. Like, I don't want you to be dependent on me. I want what I say to just affirm what God already spoke to you. I always have the greatest joy. Uh, you know, after service, I go out in the foyer, Phyllis, my wife and I will go out and greet all the people uh, after each service. And I find great joy when people say, oh, pastor, you preached a great message. God was speaking just to me, but I gotta tell you, he was confirming some things. He told me this last week. And so your message is just a confirmation. That to me is the greatest joy because that tells me you're plugged in, you're listening. So then when you come to church, it's just an echo chamber. Like God's speaking and I'm just an echo chamber. The problem is for some of you, this is literally the only voice that you hear. So it's like, God, I just pray. How do I, how do I hear? Here's three things, real simple, three things. Number one, repent. You just can't get away from this word. You know, that's a biblical word. You don't hear a lot of people talk about it. They don't really, you know, but we gotta stay with biblical words, repent. It means this, it means I was going in this direction and I changed my direction. I turned my path over to a, a new path and a new direction. Look at James chapter one, verse 21. Look at what he says, get rid of. Now, I love that because a lot of times we can say, well, I'm going to pray about it. No, I'm telling you, it's more than pray about it. It's repent. Get rid of implies you've got to do it. Like, I got to do it. What? All filth and evil in your lives. So wherever I find myself not meeting the mark or hitting the standard, I've got to get rid of it. Like, there is an implied me partnering with Almighty God. And then it says, and humbly accept the message God plants in your heart. That's the seed so I gotta get rid of, I gotta repent of having that condition of my heart and then now there's a humility that comes in my life and God plants his seed in my heart for it is strong enough to save your soul. So I gotta repent. So here's what I'd say. Some of you today, God brought you here because 
He wants you to hear from him, but for you, your first step is you gotta repent of a hardened heart. Gotta come in here and I can tell the past trauma from past relationships or maybe just the sin, the dullness of sinning has caused me not to hear. So God, today I repent of a hardened heart. Some of you just need to repent of being immature and a shallow Christian. Troubles come, I've left, and I find myself back. And so you vacillate. When trouble comes, you leave, but you come back. And trouble comes, you leave, and you just say, today I recognize that I need to repent of having a shallow and immature heart. Some of you just got distracted. Look, and it's easy to do. God blesses you, but now you've let the blessings take and replace God's position in your heart. So you just say, God, I, I repent of being distracted. And I remember as a young adult, teenager, uh, my, or a teenager, I don't remember exactly which one, my mom, I'd just say, I feel, man, I can't believe I made this mistake. And mom would just always redirect me. It's so simple as repentance. You just say, God, I'm sorry. I recognize, please forgive me, help me not do that anymore. Help me not live that way anymore. And that's where the grace, God's power and desire fills our life so that we can live the victorious life he's called us to live. Second thing we want to do is we want to refocus. So refocusing means I'm going to commit. Some of you, it's the first time, but I think the majority of us in here, it really is just a refocus. God, I was hearing your voice. I'm not hearing it anymore. I recognize it's the soil of my heart, but now I'm going to refocus my life to become a true disciple. And what does that mean? That means go deep spiritually. That means pray every day. Read your Bible every day. Worship every day, at least 15 minutes a day. And set aside that time in your day. If it's not in your calendar, I always say it's not real. So what time is your scheduled time? I have a time to meet with God Monday through Friday. I have a time to meet with God on Saturday. And I have a time to meet with God on Sunday. Because those are my different schedules. But there is a time that I meet with God so that it's like, you are my priority. So I'm going to make sure I refocus and go deeper in my relationship spiritually with him. Second thing I want to encourage you, what small group are you going to get into? You may not be ready to serve, but everybody should be in a small group. Because those are the relationships that will pull you up. And so you're not intended to live life alone. And our church is too big for you to just come in every week. You come in and go out and nobody ever challenge you. Nobody ever love on you, believe in you, you know, be living life with you. And so we have 52 different small groups and it's not too late. Sign up, go deeper. Then some of you, you're ready to get in the game of life. You've been here, you're not hurt, you, you've been healed, God has touched you. You just need to go to next steps. So a refocus is, that's not everything, but again, we're just pointing our life in the right direction. It's 30 minutes after, 45 minutes after each service, and what we're gonna do is help you uncover your design, the way God created you, and then we're gonna help point your life in the right place, and if you're ready, you jump on a team and start serving, because here's the great thing about our faith, is that as God touches us, as God fills us, now he expects us to go and to fill up others, to go pour into the lives of people, and so part of your refocus is I'm gonna jump in the game and I'm gonna be a part of what God is doing. Here's the third and final thing. The third and final thing is that we, we, we ask God to revive us. You know, all the other things we can do, but here's a part where it's like, God, your Holy Spirit has to do. You know, God, I'm asking you, in this place, see, I'm in a posture of humility. So God, I'm asking you to revive my heart. Look at what Psalm 85, 6 says. I love, I love this passage. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. 
And there's just a point, God revive us. Some of you just, you've been dry. That's what was so good about First Wednesday, how many felt the water of God's presence. It was just so powerful to be in a place where God's presence was there and it was like, man, we all have dead and dry areas in our life and what we ask God is just, just revive us, revive us. Let the spirit of your, or the water of your word and the power of your presence fill our hearts and our lives. Then I wanna leave you with this last passage, 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse one. Let us make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us. Put that up there, let us make a clean break. Clean break, clean break from everything that defiles us or distracts us, both within and without. And that's where we're saying God, both within and without. Then look what he says here. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of Almighty God. And that's what we're asking. God, help us. Help us to get rid of all the things that distract within or without purify our hearts, because remember the goal, what's the goal? We want to hear from God. God, let us hear from you. 